Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. You could pull out your phone calendars if you want to. We'll get all, we'll all get on the same page with our Advent plan. So uh, we're we're hosting, as Amber mentioned, we're hosting a Christmas club for our young lives, uh, teen moms and kids. Uh, really wonderful opportunity to to love on some people in our community who uh, need Jesus just as much as we do. And then. Um, On December 23rd, we have our our annual tradition here at Renewal is to do an Eve Eve service. Uh, We really like to make sure that all of our church staff and volunteers are off for the holidays, are able to enjoy Christmas Eve and Christmas Day like normal families do. And, And so we celebrate on Christmas Eve Eve. So December 23rd is a Saturday night. Uh, We'll have a, uh, a service here, carols. Uh, we have the four C's of Christmas, carols, cookies, uh, candles, and Christ. The four C's of Christmas. Not necessarily in that order. Um, anyhow, uh, we'll have a great time. Service will be about an hour long. We have uh, songs interspersed with readings. And then the highlight of, of the year is, is we all light candles and, and sing a last song together. And so um, I really hope that you'll make this a part of of uh, not just your Christmas plans this year, but your holiday traditions. It's it's a wonderful thing. Um, if you're the kind of person who loves Christmas Eve services, then uh, there's a couple of local services that we have recommended in the newsletter, a couple of other churches that I have confirmed will be having services on Christmas Eve, and you would be welcome to join them for that. And uh, I actually don't know of anyone in the community who's doing Christmas Day, other than I would imagine our friends over at at the Catholic Church are going to do a Mass on Christmas Day, but um, but I'm not aware of any other uh, congregations that are. So if you want to go to church on Christmas Day, uh, you're on your own. Hit the internet and find them yourself. Uh, I've done what I can, and that's that. Uh, so we will have uh, no service here on Christmas Eve. That Sunday morning service will just cancel, and, and, uh, and, uh, and then we'll be back on New Year's Eve to finish the year up strong here on Sunday morning, December 31st. So looking forward to that. Uh, the one other thing that you'll want to just be aware of is next week we are doing our first ever baptisms in the Roxy. I, I know what you're thinking. How are we going to do that? Two words, inflatable hot tub. Uh, it's so great. I actually aired it up this week because it came, it arrived in the mail and made sure that, and I'm so excited for our inflatable hot tub, uh, emphasis on hot tub. And, uh, and so next week when you come in, it'll be set up right here on the floor. We'll have a, a service, and, and towards the end of the service, we're going to be baptizing a few people. We've got three so far. And uh, if you are wanting to get baptized, come and check in with me. If you haven't already, we would love uh, for this to be your moment. Um, and, and then rumor has it we might be doing another baptism early in January. The thing that I like about our inflatable hot tub is not just the warmth of the water and the ease of setup, but that we can... We can do a little bit more of baptisms on demand, and so uh, I'm excited for that. Um, I think that's all the important announcements. Oh, oh, that's right. So every day we are sending out a text message that has a link on it to a spot on our website that there are daily 
audio Advent devotionals. Uh, somebody from the congregation, missionaries that we work with, friends from around the community are, are each giving you a two to, to four, five minute long devotional for the day. Um, it's been really good. The content is top notch and, and I've been enjoying it and uh, you can too. Just sign up in the newsletter to receive those. Oh, and the other thing I should mention is as you walked in, you probably saw some baked goods out in the cafe. Uh, last night was a dance recital that was here. It was a fundraiser for Royal Family Kids. And as is becoming our holiday tradition, when they have leftovers from the bake sale last night, you get uh, last call for those baked goods on Sunday morning. And so if you see something out in the cafe that you want, uh, throw a little donation in the, in the, out there on the table and take it away. And uh, let's bless Royal Family Kids. Uh, so, teaching time. Uh, I was having a conversation this week with someone about hearing the voice of the Lord, discerning God's presence in your life. And uh, this friend of mine raised the point that uh, it isn't always easy to connect with the reality of, of a God who's ever-present in our world. You know, it's one of those things that we believe that God is active, moving in the world, working in the world. We, we see stories in Scripture of God speaking to His people all the time, and, and we embrace that instruction from Scripture is something that is supposed to be normative to our reality, that our God communicates with us, that He shows He's present in our world all the time. And yet, connecting with that is difficult. And my friend said one of the reasons that he struggles to connect with that is because of all of the distracting noise that's out there. His attention is constantly poured or pulled towards different things. And I, I couldn't agree more. There is so much in our world that takes our focus off of the ever-present reality of a God who is with us. And, and there's so many lesser things that pull our attention away from the greater things. I want to share a story about uh, growing up in the Dieter house, and, and groans happen. You've heard enough of these stories, I know. But um, So growing up in the Dieter house on Saturday mornings, before we did our chores for the day, you know, we, we did chores on Saturdays. We, we you know, re-roofed the house every Saturday. We weeded the garden. It was a lot of hard work. But before we did the chores, oftentimes our family would take some time in the morning to just hang out. And, and be lazy together. We had this family time. We would tell stories. We'd talk. We'd laugh. We'd maybe play games. And all of this happened with the six of us in my parents' king-size bed. We called it bed club. Um, and, and, and there was another staple in the Dieter house growing up. That was pets. We always had pets growing up, uh, usually dogs, outdoor dogs. And we had a cat or two as well. Um, and, you know, some people get a pet and they get their dog fixed. Uh, you guys know the veterinarian that's over there in West Kelso that always has the silly signs up about getting your pet spayed and neutered. Uh, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't in a rush to get that done. And so, because we didn't get our our pets fixed, uh, we had puppies. We had puppies. That was another staple of our house growing up. Puppies, and uh, and puppies are the best. I recommend everyone have a puppy at one time in their life or another. But this one day for bed club. Uh, when there was a puppy pen full of puppies in the garage, someone had the idea, hey, let's bring some puppies into bed for bed club with us. We're just hanging out. And so the puppies are all coming in. There's, there's the, you know, six Dieter family members and four or five, I don't know, eight puppies all hanging out in the bed together. And, and we're having a great time. 
And, and something that I'll never forget is watching a puppy that's laying on my dad's chest lay a puppy log right there on his white undershirt, right? And, uh, and this all happens, and, and instantly I thought, oh no, what's going to happen next? I'm pretty sure bed club's canceled for the day. This is it. Because this is a man who springs to action the moment that a glass is spilled at dinner. Something else that was a staple of our house growing up was spilling cups at dinner. And you never saw somebody get out of their chair so fast. As uh, you get out of their chair so fast and say, what were you thinking as uh, someone who's hanging out? This is, this is a house where, well, the bed, the very bed that we're having bed club in is the, the one rule of bed club is you don't eat in bed club because uh, this is a bed that is a holy space that will never be soiled with crumbs. No crumbs are allowed in the bed. And, and this is a house too where if you're feeling sick and you might throw up, the one rule we have is you don't miss. Meaning that vomit makes it into a toilet, a garbage can, or the plastic salad bowl. One of those three options because we don't miss. And then part of the chores on Saturday was, was clean. All this to say we have a clean house, all right? We have a clean house where things go to their places. And a log laying on somebody's chest in bed. This seems like the world might fall apart. But the unexpected happened. My dad just sat there chuckling, looking at the puppy. Oh, you're such a good dog. You're such a good boy. What a cute puppy. And then he casually says, hey, would someone get a paper towel so I can get this taken care of? And the log gets removed and we just hung out together. Because the adoration for these cute little puppies overcame what would have been normal in our lives, overcame the things that might have changed the trajectory of the day. It was all overshadowed by this adoration. Going into the Advent season, I've been inspired with a theme of adoration for this, this season that we have together. You, you know, when we adore someone or when we adore something, it commands our full attention. And all of the other stuff that's going on, all of the other noise that's going on, just fades out. This season in Advent, we're looking to be swept away in awe by the story of the gospel. Swept away by who Jesus is. The baby in the manger, the suffering servant king, the victorious deliverer. We want, we want all of it, right? And our quest this Advent season is to turn to Jesus, to see him as he really is and to be swept away with adoration. There's an old hymn that says to turn our eyes upon Jesus and to look full into his wonderful face. And then the next line of the song says that the things of earth grow strangely dim. Maybe you've experienced that. Something in front of you is so wonderful. The puppy's cuteness overcomes the puppy's mess. Maybe you've had these kinds of experiences even with the presence of God in your life where his, his, the, the reality of him being here and the greatness of who he is overshadowed the rest of it. This is what we're seeking to be overcome by this, this Christmas season, this Advent season is the story of the gospel to overcome all the other noise and the things that are happening. You know, some of the most famous 
passages of Scripture that have the Christmas story and the Nativity story in them are in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, You can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. As you are, I I just want to talk a little bit about who Luke was. Luke was a physician. He's a person that's in the book of Acts. He's mentioned traveling around with Paul. He's a companion of Paul's. We have really good reason to believe that Luke was not a Jewish believer. Rather, he was a Gentile. And so he he's coming from a different perspective. Uh, he's trained as a physician, so we know he's educated. Um, and and he writes the Gospel of Luke, and then he writes the book of Acts. And at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, he tells his audience, who was a man named Theophilus, but he tells his audience that he's taken it upon himself to do careful research and to provide an orderly account of these things that have happened in the world. And he's writing all of this so that these first century Christians can have confidence, or uh, the word he has, the word he uses is certainty, so that they can have certainty about what the apostles have been teaching them, about these things that they've believed in. And so you imagine this first century audience is hearing the gospel for the first time. Of course, they're getting to hear it in a whole different context than we are. They're hearing it from eyewitnesses, people who were there, people who saw Jesus, people who talked to Jesus, people who walked around and followed Jesus for years. They're hearing it differently, but at the same time, they're hearing about something from other people that they maybe haven't experienced the reality of it for themselves yet. And so they probably have a lot of the same questions that you and I have when we hear the story of the gospel, hear it today, removed a couple thousand years from the original source. And so St. Luke writes his gospel and provides an orderly account, does the research paper on it, in hopes that you and I will feel a sense of certainty about what we have believed. Luke writes about the night that Jesus was born in chapter 2. Jesus is born, he's swaddled up, he's laid in a manger. Um, Oops. He's laid in a manger uh, because his parents are staying in a stable, there's no room for him. Um... And, uh, and then this birth isn't just something that's going to impact the mother and the father, Joseph and Mary, there in the stable. But this birth is something that is uh, much bigger than that. This child is the promised one who God has been uh, talking about to his people for a very, very long time. And while Mary and Joseph might be alone in the stable or feel alone in the stable with maybe a few barnyard animals if the nativity scenes are in any way historically correct. Um, But there's this reality, too, that there are a host of spiritual beings, the hosts of heaven, the the scriptures call them, the the sons of God, the scriptures call them. There is a host of spiritual beings who are witnessing this event as well. And in Luke chapter 2, we have a story about how these people, those people up there, can't keep quiet about it. We'll start reading in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke's account says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. So this is just after the the manger scene has happened. So there are shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They're keeping their watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. You know, adoration gets our full attention. Uh, Terrified usually has our full attention, too. I don't know if you've ever been like walking in the dark and you hear a loud sound in the forest at night and you're like, what was that? Your full attention, right? 
The shepherds give their full attention to this light that's happening around them. Talks about the glory of the Lord shone around them. So there's some kind of light associated with God's glory. And you imagine what that kind of light would be received by, like, by people who've never seen, you know, the artificial electric lights that your world's just inundated with. You imagine what it's like to be a shepherd out in a field. The brightest thing you've ever seen is maybe a torch or an oil lamp or a bonfire. And suddenly the glory of God shines all around you. That would be very startling. Suddenly the dark field is lit up like Times Square. Before we go on, we should note that one of the prophecies about the birth of Jesus, about the the Jewish Messiah from Isaiah chapter 9, this is actually a verse that we use to kick off every Advent season. It's pretty common practice for Christians around the world to kick off Advent with Isaiah 9. Uh, But the verse says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a bright light has dawned. Further on it says, Because unto us a son is given, because unto us a child is born. One of the cool things about Luke's gospel, really all scripture, but Luke's gospel is he's not just a good researcher, he's not just providing an an orderly account, but he's uh, an incredible storyteller. A deep thinking author. And what he's done right here in this story of shepherds watching their fields by night is he's woven into this story this idea that the people walking in darkness will see a great light. The shepherds are watching their flocks by field at night. Nothing's super easy to do at night. I was was telling some people at the break about uh, my sons both played basketball up in Olympia last night. And so I'm driving up to Olympia after four. It's getting dark. And I'm driving home after nine. It's dark. It's raining. My headlights aren't great. And I was saying, it felt like one of those times in my life. You ever hear someone say, who's probably a little older, no, I don't really drive at night anymore. I don't really drive in bad weather anymore. And I had this, I had this thought last night, like, I get it. I mean, I'm not phoning it in yet. I, I'm committed to sh- driving at night for a, at least a couple more decades. But it's like, I get it. It's hard. I can't see. I was passing a semi-truck that uh, had no, no trailer on it, and it was kicking up so much mist and stuff. I'm driving up there. I'm like, what is that? I can't tell what it is. <laughs> There's something 30 feet away, and I have no idea what is driving over there. It, is it a tank? What is it? I figured it out. But um, So the shepherds are watching their fields at night, and an angel appears, and the glory of the Lord shines all around them. The light shows up, and Luke's using the details of this story to reinforce to all of us the significance of this moment. That the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. This is the moment when God's light shines. Verse 10, the angel says to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The initial response is there's fear, they're terrified, and the angel says, Don't be afraid. I know this light is startling. And for people walking in darkness, light is always startling. Your eyes take a moment to adjust. But as the eyes begin to adjust and they begin to see what are they really looking at here, the angel says, I've got a message of great joy for all people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, sorry, for God so loved 
all the good people. No, for God so loved all the smart people, for God so loved his chosen people only. He says, no, God loved the world and he gave his son. And the angels are bringing good news to everyone. This is it. The son is here. The one who's promised is here. He says, today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Couldn't be any more plain than that, right? Can you imagine what it would be like to be a first century Jewish shepherd living out in the field under Roman occupation and you hear this just in, in, in Bethlehem today, the Messiah is born. The deliverer is born. This is life changing news. Some of you have probably lived through events. Maybe it was fortunate, maybe it was unfortunate, but you've lived through events where you woke up one day and life-changing news happened. I, I know in my life, the defining moment that I think of there, and probably most people my age, would be September 11th, like uh, September 11th, 2001, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the story. What's it like to wake up and have life-changing news? You know, the shepherds went out into the field watching their sheep. They had no idea that everything was about to change. They had no idea. The angel says, this is it. He's here. The Messiah is here. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. They were praising God and they were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Think about what this looked like. The, the light shines, the shepherds are there, they're having a conversation with a single solitary angel. The angel gives them the sign, there's going to be a baby laying in a manger, probably not a common thing back then, not a common thing today. This is what you're looking for. And then all of a sudden, the night explodes with light and heavenly hosts singing their praises to God. And... and we read the praise, and maybe it's easy in our minds to think of this as something that was scripted or commanded by God or rehearsed over time. Like there's a choir directing angel in heaven, and God was like, on this night, you all need to be ready, so be rehearsing. And then when you hear the angel say these specific words, that's your moment, and then you go, and I just don't think it's like that at all. God isn't like the military dictator who's driving the tanks down the street and commanding everyone to, you know, to shout and, and cheer at just the right time. God is revealed in Scripture as a creator who fills the world with his goodness and who's constantly inviting all of creation, the created beings on earth, the created beings in the heavens above, the created beings that we have no idea about. He's inviting all of his creation to rejoice with him in the good things that he's doing. He's inviting all of creation to live in unity with the goodness that he's spreading all around the world. So this isn't some kind of scripted dictator's parade. If you think God is like that, I, I really think you're missing the whole point. This is more like the crowd in the stadium spontaneously erupting at what they've just witnessed. The hosts of heaven have just witnessed the most astounding thing that has ever happened in the universe. God has just joined himself 
forever with humanity. He's joined himself in an unbreakable bond and in a covenant that he is not going to let go of. And and we know that this bond required not just God to humble himself and clothe himself in flesh, but it also requires for him to sacrifice his only son. And the witnesses of heaven are watching this thing happen and they explode in adoration and cheers and praise as they see that minute. And these humble shepherds who are fortunate enough to be in the right place, the right time, who have eyes to see what's going on, they witness all of heaven going bananas for this miracle. Glory to God. Peace on whom peace to those on whom his favor rests. God has shown, in this moment, God has shown his favor to humanity. Humanity that was created, as the Psalms say, a little lower than the angels, and yet we are treasured in God's heart. The book of Hebrews says, because God's desire was to save humanity, that's why Christ became a human. That was my paraphrase. But God has held humanity in a unique place of favor in his created universe. And the Father loves us and he's bound himself to us that our destiny would be bound to him. And the heavenly hosts see this favor and they just erupt in joy. You ever you ever sit at a uh, like a maybe you're at a football game or a sporting event or or maybe you're watching a movie and your you know your hands in the in the popcorn your attention is elsewhere and, and your maybe your face is on your phone and then the whole crowd around you erupts maybe everyone in the theater laughs or everybody in the stadium cheers and suddenly that those distractions go away right your eyes are back on the screen or down on the field you're like what just happened what am I witnessing. I think this scene's a little bit like that. The shepherds have no idea. They're maybe in the hills outside of Bethlehem. They have no idea what just happened in Bethlehem. But the crowd just erupted. And suddenly their attention is focused on those things that are most important. So when the angels left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. I mean, what else are you going to do? After that kind of an experience, right? So they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Mary is our our model here. Mary treasured these things up. You know, I think one thing that's easy when we're going into Advent season is to feel familiar with what's going on. I've heard the stories before. I've seen the plays. I've seen the, you know, I've, I've seen all the movies before, although, man, they are churning out Christmas movies like it's nobody's business right now. It's insane. You used to have to have a Hallmark channel to get that level of entertainment, but it's everywhere. You can hear it all, and so you can hold it all at an arm's length. You cannot allow any of it to pierce the depth of who you are. Or you can begin to treasure these things in your heart. You can let the wonder of this story begin to capture you in the core of who you are. 
and say, these are things that I want to hold on to. These are the most valuable things. Isn't it wonderful to take a time of year to set aside everything else and do some shopping for your friends and family? Yeah, that's great. But so much better to set aside everything else and be reminded that God made a choice to send him to become to, to, for the word to become flesh to dwell among us treasure these things in your heart uh, sorry treasure these things up and then ponder them in your heart as you hear the stories it can be tempting to shut your brain off it can be tempting again I've heard it all before I know these stories I'm familiar with this content or you can ponder them I think one of the beautiful things about revisiting story after story is if, you're, if your mindset is, I've heard it all before, then you, you're probably, you're going to be bored out of your mind. But if your mindset is, I know there's something deeper here for me. I know there's something that I've missed in all of this. I know there's a part of my life that lives as if none of this were true. And as I have an opportunity to revisit this story or hear that teaching on that passage of scripture again as I have an opportunity to do that I am pondering these things I'm hungry for something more I think sometimes in our faith we spend way too much time trying to be sure of everything we already know and not enough time acknowledging we have so much to learn I want to be hungry for more wisdom this story ends with the shepherds going back to their fields. The shepherds return. They're glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and they'd seen. Everything was just as they had been told. I love the picture Luke paints of them returning and glorifying God. Remember the glory of the Lord shown. We think glory in scripture. We need to think light in a dark place. And the shepherds who had the light shown on them and who went and saw Baby Jesus, face to face, are coming back now. And they themselves, the light's coming from them, right? It's coming out of their mouths. They're glorifying God. They're people of the light going back out to the fields, back out to the dark land. And they are shining the light around for anyone who will listen. They can't help but open their mouths and talk about what they've seen, what they've heard. And they can't help but tell people everything was just as we had been told. God did it all, just like He said He would. This means a lot to me because I think of myself as, uh, as someone who's walking now, thousands of years later, but walking now as a caretaker of this same message that these shepherds were entrusted with. And there's an element of faith where I stand here today and I have to... I have to agree in a sense with what they have said. Everything that happened was just as they had been told. This thing really happened. It really is true that God became a human being. This is the, this is the part of Christianity that I get most excited about because it's the most unique part of the Christian faith. The most unique claim that we have uh, amongst all the other people who are trying to figure out who God is and what is He like and what does he want from us? Christianity says God became a human being and dwelt among us. 
What a unique claim. What a holy claim. And what a beautiful thing to allow our Christian calendar, our year, to be culminating in this truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. May our hearts be illuminated by these truths these next two weeks. And I just, I I pray that we would be blown away by the reality of that as we begin to understand the parts of it that we don't have yet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you came. God, I'm grateful that you came not just as a humble baby born in a manger or in a sideways town out in the middle of nowhere, but you came with all of heaven exploding in praise. And what a gift these shepherds had to see that. And Lord, we ask for that kind of a gift for us today. What we're celebrating this time of year, what we're celebrating in your birth is worth celebrating, is worth getting excited about. Holy Spirit, would you move our hearts in this season to treasure those things that we need to treasure and to ponder those things that we need to ponder and to receive the fullness of what you mean for this season of Advent to have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.